0: welcome 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 back once again my fine fellow family friends and familiars today is tuesday may 17th this is the outcast the ottawa valley's number one football and fighting podcast uh, it's particularly going to be a sports betting show today as we've got a lot to talk about in terms of odds on this coming weekend's uh, boxing in the squared circle, which we'll get into with some big matchups between uh, top UK light heavyweights Craig Richards and Josh Boazzi. Uh Canadian Jean Pascal is in action. And I believe a middleweight or super middleweight bout on Friday. And there's some other big fights going down in boxing, including the likes of Jamel Herring, uh, David Benavides, David Lemieux, big middleweight matchup there, or super middleweight rather. And, of course, Alan the Savage, Babich, the people's uh, champ, is, I believe, fighting like a number one contender fight for Bridgerweight, which is currently held by Oscar Rivas, I believe, unless he's lost that since he beat Ryan Rosicki for the inaugural WBC bridge weight title but I doubt it I was kind of hoping they might run it back at one point because that's still right up there for fight of the year in my books uh, Canadian Ryan Rosicki jumping up essentially two weight classes taking on a guy who is essentially a heavyweight He's cutting down to make the new weight class bridge weight which I believe you can top out at 220 and uh, Ryan Uh, doesn't even cut weight to make cruiser weight, which is his natural weight class of 190. Um, So, big shout-out to him. Just got a uh, decision victory over Yamil Peralta in his hometown of Cape Breton. But uh, even he said after the fight that he thought he got a bit of a hometown decision. Maybe Peralta got robbed by those Canadian judges and that uh, Canadian home crowd. Uh, swayed them a little bit. Um, I've only seen highlights from that fight, so I'd have to watch it back. Rosiki was definitely on the front foot um, coming forward, especially towards the end. He was just marching forward like a madman, hands down, big swings. Everything he's throwing is to has bad intentions on it, but uh, Peralta just stayed on the back foot, stayed circling. Um, kept walking Rosiki onto shots and uh, to be fair to the Argentinian he caught me by surprise I wasn't that aware of him beforehand even though he was I believe the number one ranked cruiserweight from Argentina and uh, he showed why and really had the perfect game plan for a, a come forward aggressive kind of close range fighter like Rosiki who doesn't really throw a lot of uh, jab straights he's more of a Hook to the body, hook to the head, uppercut to the body, uppercut to the head, kind of uh, marauder, which is why I love him. I mean, he's he's coming to kill or be killed, essentially, and he's said as much in interviews himself. It's, there's a reason the guy has Valhalla tattooed right up on his neck. He's a he's a throwback fighter, and. Uh, he takes a lot of pride in his resemblance to the to the old school fighters. Like, uh, damn, what's his name there? Jack Dempsey. Yeah. And you can definitely see a resemblance in their style. So I'll give him a, a free plug here before we get into the boxing picks. Of course, we're going to talk about the UFC and even the NFL Week 1 picks. His odds were released for that as well as the... NFL schedule was just released, I believe, last week or a couple weeks ago. So we'll, we'll talk about the the first week of the NFL as well. But let's start off the show with some boxing. Like I mentioned, uh, Jean Pascal is facing, I believe, the number one contender at middleweight, Fang Long Meng, who is a Chinese boxer, I believe, who I'm not overly familiar with. Uh, Meng is actually currently the Minus 250 favorite. Interesting. Jean Pascal hasn't been in action as of late. I believe he popped for steroids before the second Badu Jack fight. And then afterwards, he was slated to fight again um, several months ago. I can't remember who it was, but I believe he pissed hot again for another drug test. So, uh, Interesting to see if Jean Pascal can um, what his physique looks like, A, at this weigh-in, or if he, uh, doesn't make it to another fight here, as he is getting a little longer in the tooth in his career, I believe, and maybe he's needing to find an edge somehow and he's looking for some illicit means to do so, but, uh, I really hope here that the, uh, the Canadian has a bit of a comeback here, but, I don't know, I have to look more into, um, Fong long meng but jean pascal is a pretty good look i th- think as a dog at plus 175 on friday and they haven't released odds for stoppages or anything like that yet so i'd also like to see the odds for that because pascal has always had heavy hands and he goes for the finish alan Babbage currently a minus 400 um Favourite to beat Adam Bowski at Bridgerweight. That's a safe nod there. You know, Matchroom likes to give him some good fights. Chantel Cameron, another good look at minus 2,500. Obviously not great odds, but better than a kick in the teeth. Uh, Josh Bozzi, Craig Richards, the big main event on the Matchroom Boxing Show coming up uh currently a minus 700 favorite. Uh, I believe he's on about a 10-fight win streak, 10-fight stoppage streak, something crazy like that. I'll have to look at his box rack in a second, but I know it's something like that. Craig Richards, obviously, plus 400, um, underdog, and that's actually changed a little bit very recently because I looked at it just like an hour ago, and I think he was plus 350, so... Boatzee's becoming a heavier favorite as the fight gets closer here. So maybe hold out on this until a little later in the week to see if you can get better odds on it by Friday as this fight's Saturday. But I don't know. I just watched this interview with Craig Richards on The Boxing Voice. And I like Craig Richards, man. I like he's got a weird style. I call him the spider. Trains out of a really good gym. I've seen his instagram a little bit and I can see he's doing some really good strength and conditioning programs and uh preparation doesn't seem like it's gonna be a factor at all he's gonna come in prepared he's coming in to win he's not coming to roll over for this guy and you can tell in the face-to-face that they did as well um that richards really believes he's gonna win and he's like been in there with some really good guys so i don't think he's gonna be daunted by boatsy he's been in there with Bivol. he's been in there with some good guys and craig richards gets some stoppages as well and he was talking about since he moved up from uh super middleweight to light heavyweight that he's uh feeling like he's got a lot more power in his hands at this weight class as he's not um, depleting himself so i think craig richards might be my look for that one at plus 400 uh I, maybe uh, i'll have to look at both their box wrecks again but i'm going with the dog in this one we got jamel herring and jermaine ortiz jamel herring i believe hasn't been in action since he lost to Shakur stevenson and i'm not familiar with jermaine ortiz and the odds are very close on that one uh jamel herring a plus 110 underdog but I'm gonna swerve it for now until I look at their box recs later on. I see Yolvis Gomez, Jorge Carda in action. Uh, Gomez minus eight hundred. Not familiar. Yannick. Oh, I can't even pronounce this guy's last name. Alim Canuli. Yennebeck. Jesus Christ! What a weird name. Against Danny Dignam, who's much easier to pronounce. I'm not familiar with them, so I don't even know why I'm talking about it, but it's a fight that's happening Saturday. And this fight I do know about, uh super middleweight action between, uh, I believe this guy must be close to a number one contender by this point, David Benavidez, versus another fellow Canadian in action this weekend, David Lemieux. Interesting that Pascal's fighting Friday and Lemieux's fighting the Saturday. They're two of the bigger Names we have in the Canadian boxing scene. Um, Obviously, Benavidez is a heavy favorite right now. Minus 2,500. Uh, David Lemieux, plus 800. Underdog. The bookie's not giving him much of a chance against David Benavidez. You'll see why in a second. Because the odds for this um, by stoppage are even pretty crazy. As uh, David Benavidez is still a minus 800 to win by... Uh, K O T K O um, which is nuts that he's still that heavy a favorite to win by stoppage, but I guess that's how he wins most of his fights, so, you add that onto Zapale, eh? I gotta go back here, I messed something up, um, which will actually give me better odds, oh, did they just add more fights, I think they did, that's weird, Angel Marino, what the fuck? That's weird. They added way more fights since I just refreshed the page. Um, Yeah, so... The five fights I picked here out of those ones that I listed between Friday and Saturday. Only the one fight Friday with Jean-Pascal. I'm edging Jean-Pascal to beat Meng. Um, but I, like I said, I have to look up Meng's Bachrex. Or a box rack to see what he's all about. And we'll see if Jean Pascal makes the fight without disqualifying himself somehow by dabbling in some substances. And then I picked David Benavides by uh, KO. Big apologies to David Lemieux. At minus 800. Uh, Jean Pascal just to win outright at plus 75. Craig Richards to win. At, at plus 400. Though I should look at what the odds are of him to win by stoppage as well. Because I think that's also likely. Uh, but plus he's plus 400 to win as it is. Just outright. Uh, Chantel Cameron to beat Victoria Noelio, Noelia Bustos. Minus 2500. And Alan Babbage to win against Adam Balski at minus 400. And that is a five fight parlay. Still runs you plus uh, 1,910, which ain't too shabby, you know, it's not too shabby at all, at all, at all, you could definitely, thr- really, you know, maybe sh- throw Jamel Herring on there for another decent look, some of these other, uh, heavier favorites, but I don't even like to bet on boxing favorites, even if they're pretty heavy favorites, if I don't know them, because I've done that before, just, like, no looked people, because they have, like, Minus 3,000 odds or something just to add them to the parlay and it's backfired on me. Because um, you never know, man. boxing's still crazy. It's a bit more predictable than MMA, I'd say. But it's not that predictable still. Yeah. Anyways, there's your boxing breakdown. Let's jump over to the UFC this weekend, shall we? We got a big fight night. Well, it's a fight night, anyways. I don't know about a big fight night, headlined by Holly Holm versus Kichlin Vieira. I believe that's a women's featherweight fight. I gotta say, Holly Holm must be a featherweight. She's a big lady. Uh, no offense, Holly Holm. I just mean you're you're tall and you're you're strong. Not um, yeah, you know what I mean. So to kick off the card on the prelims, we have. Women's strawweight or bantamweight. Uh, Elise Reed versus Sam Hughes. Um, Elise Reed obviously coming off that win at UFC London not too long ago. Looking impressive. Uh, Sam Hughes I'm not overly familiar with other than her record. And they had very similar records. Uh, Elise Reed, I believe, used to be in the Army. Now has her own martial arts school. Uh, pretty impressive striking and just good overall currently minus 170 favorite to win i'm edging elise reed as she won me some money last time as well when i put faith in her on ufc london so um keeping the forward momentum here and Edging Elise Reed. Then we have uh, Young and Chase Hooper versus Felipe Calaras. Uh, Chase Hooper, um, I believe about six to eight years younger than Calaras. Uh, Significant height and reach advantages as well. And uh, both guys are kind of jujitsu guys, I'd say, overall is the most part. Um, the majority of stoppages coming on both their records is by submission, and Hooper's currently a plus 140 underdog, and I really like him as a dog in that matchup, so edge chase Hooper, and if you want to risk it for the biscuit, put him to win by stoppage as well, because I could easily see this becoming a, a grappling contest relatively early, and Hooper using those, uh... Long spidery limbs of his to secure something weird. Then we have uh, Jonathan Martinez versus Vince Morales, a uh, couple tough uh, Latino fighters here. Vince Morales had that big win against um bum 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 Luis Smolka. And they kind of like pulled out of the clinch. And then he hit him with an overhand right and kind of uh, walk-off KO'd him. Martinez has a bit more fights. uh, Both similar sizes. Martinez currently a minus 210 favorite. He's put together a couple wins here. Uh, He's a little younger as well. About three years younger. Uh, Very tough matchup to pick. It's going to come down to who wants it more. Um, pretty much, but, uh, I've gone back and forth on this one, and almost wanted to change my initial read as Martinez, as he's just the favorite, but, uh, something tells me, like Vince Morales, when he hit uh, Smolka with that overhand right out the clinch, that he's got maybe a bit of like a, a finishing instinct in his game, where he knows, uh, situations where to go for the kill and that's kind of a uh, definitely a good thing to have as a fighter so um, maybe leave it off the parlay uh, if you want to play it safe but if you're just picking everything then i um, still edging Martinez a little bit but I might change that as the week goes on depending on what I see at the weigh-in and whatnot very close Okay, we got Omar Morales, a lot of Latinos on this card, versus Uros Medic, who I believe is uh, Eastern European. And this is another kind of weird matchup. Uh, Morales, I believe, is quite a bit more experienced than Medic. Uh, Morales... um, quite a bit older as well i believe Uh, a few years older Uh, but very close fight obviously when you look at the odds minus 163 to plus 137 i remember looking at it on topology and leaning towards medic but that's another one i might leave off the parlay if i was playing it safe like you guys but if you're gonna ask me to pick every fight i'm i'm rolling with uros here Then we see the heaviest favorite on the card, which has actually gone down significantly. I remember at one point, uh, Jilton Almeida was a minus 800 favorite. Now he's gone down to minus 600. It's not good for me because I (laughs) think I locked in my pick when the odds were heavier in his favor here. He's significantly younger, significantly longer reach, more stoppages than Parker Porter. So, yeah, I believe uh the safest pick on this card, and the odds kind of convey that, is uh Jelton Almeida to win. And if you're feeling like risking it for the biscuit, this is a heavyweight matchup, so I'd say a stoppage is highly likely here as well for Almeida to come in here and uh, get the knockout win over Porter. Think the only thing you could say about Porter is that he's got maybe a bit of a size advantage weight-wise, but um, yeah, I'm rocking with Almeida, and I'd also probably uh, not just go with him to win, but for him to win by stoppage as well, he's minus 600 to win, minus 200 to win by stoppage, okay, then we have Joseph Holmes, I think his name is... Her names like ugly guy or something it's got a weird name and he was i believe a, more of a heavy favorite not too long ago he's kind of gone down a little bit here from what he was to a minus 188 over alan Amidofsky. Uh emidofsky's record i wasn't able to pull out or holmes i know holmes is more of a submission guy allegedly he's much longer he's younger i believe um but, yeah, he's only a relatively uh, small favorite in that one. But I'm edging Joseph Holmes for sure. Then we have Eric Anders versus Jun Yong Park. Okay, <laughs> Jun Young Park, South Korean middleweight. Calls himself the Iron Turtle. Eric Anders, obviously, uh, kind of striker, ground and pound guy. Very big for the weight class. And I see the power being a bit of a a mismatch here between Anders and Park. When I just look at them, I I just see Anders being like the much more imposing of the two figures. And if he can kind of impose his will on Park, I could see this being a relatively early night for the Iron Turtle. As he's going to need to have a, a very hard shell to withstand the barrage of... Eric Anders, who has quite a bit of uh, TKO, KO finishes on his record. So I'm edging the man from Alabama, and Eric Anders is an underdog at plus 175. And uh, then we have a women's fight here coming into the main card, Pollyanna Viana versus Tabitha Ritchie. Again, very close odds here. Um, kind of a matchup between two women's Brazilian jiu-jitsu specialist. Another grappler-grappler matchup. I know I've heard Tabitha Ritchie trains with Mackenzie Dern. It's good for her. She's a bit of a slight favorite, but I was looking at them on paper. I see a. Pollyanna Vienna seems like she's got a lot of um, tail of the tape kind of um, edges to her game where she's longer, she's younger, a bit more experience as well, I believe. Um, yeah, I'm just edging Vienna. I was just more impressed. I remember when I was uh, looking at them both. Vienna is a plus 100 underdog. But yeah, I like her to win here. Then we got Chidi and Juke versus Dusko Todorovic. Todorovic. Um... Hard to say, I think Chidi and Njukawani gets it done though, he's much longer, he's significantly older than Todorovic, but I think he's striking, he's just so explosive, he's so uh, dangerous, and I remember his brother Anthony Njukawani from the WEC days, and he was always entertaining to watch, but yeah, Njukawani at minus 200. Definitely put that one on the parlay. I see him getting a stoppage as well, so might take a gander what the odds for for that are as well, there, bud. And then we got Santiago Ponzibio versus Michel Pereira. Um, so this one's another bit of an interesting one, as you know, Pereira is known for his highly explosive um eccentric style doing lots of flying knees flying kicks um capoeira kind of stuff you know backflips in the cage crazy dancing on his way to the cage and uh yeah he's he's made a name for himself as being just kind of a win or lose he's gonna do something crazy kind of guy and maybe that's calmed down a bit in his last couple of performances as. He seemed like he's being a bit more focused, wanting to to go for the win and be a bit more clinical and uh, not waste so much energy as he was in the early stage of his UFC career. And that's maybe why he's a bit of a heavy, or not heavy favorite, but slight favorite as well. At minus 125 as Pereira, but all that being said, he is slightly younger as well, but six years younger than Ponzibio. In these ma- kind of matchups, I always give the edge to like the meat and potatoes kind of guy rather than the flashy guy because uh, generally, I feel like if you like stick by the textbook, you're always gonna beat like the guy who's doing crazy weird stuff if you're at a certain level because uh, you know the textbook does exist for a reason and Ponzibio. I feel like every time I've watched him I've almost I've I've come away feeling impressed, even though know, his like name doesn't like stay in my head for whatever reason for too long and I kind of like forget about him until he's fighting again. But he's just been uh in the mix here at welterweight for such a long time and I I, I think I'd like to see him win here too, even though I don't like picking with who I'd like to see win, I try and just make an educated decision about it. And I am trying to be, and this one might be one that I leave off the parlay if I'm playing it safe for you guys, because it's a very close matchup. And I I'd see it either being a Pereira stoppage or a Ponzinibbio decision, to be honest. And if I ask myself which is more likely between those two outcomes, I think a Ponzinibbio decision or maybe even a later round stoppage cuz Pereira could very well do some crazy stuff in the opening two rounds uh, then uh Nibbio could take over in the in the later uh, part of the fight and just um, gas him out and once that gas tank's empty you know turn up the heat on him and stop him in the third round or something like that but yeah i'm, I'm edging Nibbio as it is but Very close fight. A lot of close fights on this card. Okay, then, of course, the main event. The main event of the evening. We have uh, former women's champion Holly Holm versus top contender Kitlin Vieira. Vieira coming off a win over Misha Tate in one of her first fights coming back after uh, partial retirement. Uh, Vieira looking impressive there, but I just think Holm is uh, much too experienced. Her pedigree is too good. Her gym is too good at Greg Jackson. Her relationship with her coach, you know, Winkle John, Greg Jackson. Uh, Holm is definitely getting a bit long in the tooth for this MMA game at 40, but uh, I think all that experience she's had not in MMA but in boxing as well. Uh, will serve her well here. She's great at using her range, her long punches, her long kicks. Um, the only hope here, I think, for VR is if she uh, gets it on the ground and gets on top and, you know, tries to use her jiu-jitsu or her top game to enforce her will on Holly Holm. But I just think Holly Holm has uh, too many tools in the tool belt and too much experience to um to lose. So, yeah. There we go. We picked every fight on the card. And if you pick every fight on the card and make a bet on it, you'll get plus 73,156 odds, which ain't too shabby. Ain't too shabby at all, folks. But like I said, maybe only pick whatever five fights, six fights that you're you're comfortable with there. Because picking eleven fights isn't the smart thing to do, really. Uh, let's take a look at the world of football, shall we? Okay, okay, okay. We're back. Uh, so take a brief, brief uh, hiatus. Uh, looking at a couple things. Um some early futures for the NFL. I saw it. I just happened to pop up here. Tom Brady currently for most regular season passing yards is plus 1000. You know, it's like 10 to one. I'm not sold on him being able to get the most regular season passing yards. To be honest, that I'll go to like one of these quarterbacks that has a really good wide receiver course. So I know they're offering good odds on that one, but I'd swerve it to be honest. Um, you know, Tommy's Tommy's gonna start to show his age eventually, and I don't know about the Bucks next season. Like <laughs> he almost retired; he was he was ready to walk away. So I don't know. This one though, this is very interesting. Devonte Adams most regular season receiving yards. Who I believe was Cooper Cup last season, who probably had that one, and um, that's plus sixteen hundo, which is a great look. Uh, as he's reuniting with a quarterback he's very familiar with, and Derek Carr, I believe they were at college together the same time, and at plus 1,600 odds, I mean, uh, that's very tempting. That's very tempting, to be honest. So you put uh, 10 on that, you get 170 back. You put a hundo on that, you get 17 hundo. Uh, yeah, take a take a gander at that Devontae Adams' most regular season. Uh, receiving yards, definitely. Tom Brady for MVP is at um, plus 1,200. Uh, that's a bit of a reach, unless you're a hardcore Bucks fan. <laughs> uh, Bengals to win the conference, plus 1,400. I don't like that. I like Ravens to win the conference, son. Um, Rams to win their conference is uh, plus 600. I mean, that's definitely going to happen. So uh, I'd feel comfortable putting as much as you want on it i mean it's not going to pay out for a long time but Rams definitely going to win their conference 100 percent 1000 percent so plus 600 is pretty good odds on that as it's a virtual guarantee i'd say with their roster and their uh previous performance from last season And the Kansas City Chiefs to win outright, as in to win this next year's Super Bowl, is at plus 1,400, which, I mean, ain't bad, but, I mean, also statistically unlikely at this point, is what I'd say, until we get a better picture of what the Chiefs look like without Tyreek Hill and some other people that have come and gone from there. It's interesting to see, very interesting. But let's get into week one of the NFL season, shall we? As all the odds have actually been released, as well as the point spread for these games, which is pretty crazy as we're several months away as what are we in now, um, coming towards the end of May. and Obviously, football season doesn't start until um, home opener is Thursday, September 8th. So we're June, July, August, September yeah, June, July, August. Four four months and change, basically five months away from uh, kickoff here. But let's quickly run through it, shall we, as we are getting a little long. But, uh, yeah, I'll run through it here. So starting with the Thursday night game, home opener or season opener, we got the L.A. Rams-Buffalo Bills. Big shout-out to the NFL for making that game one of the season. That game is huge. Uh, blockbuster stuff going on there in Los Angeles with the defending champs taking on the Bills. Of course, edging the Rams. Uh, got to take the Rams at home there. And uh, we've got a plethora of Sunday games going on, including my Baltimore Ravens taking on the New York Jets, baby. Oh, you know we're going to hammer the Jets week one. Take us on the spread as well at minus four and a half. There's no way we don't beat them by a touchdown. I'll put my life on it, son. I'll put my fucking life on it, boy. Um, Cleveland Browns at Carolina Panthers. Got to go with the Browns. Uh, Panthers quarterback situation still up in the air. I mean, the Browns kind of is as well, but the Browns were generally the much better team. Last year, especially on the ground and um, defensively. Indianapolis Colts uh, with new look. Quarterback Matt Ryan under center. Uh, did they just pick up somebody as well? Like a wide receiver? I'm unsure, but I feel like they just picked up somebody else as well. It was a good player. Uh, maybe a corner. Oh, Did they get Steph Gilmore? I think they did. The Colts might have gotten Steph Gilmore. I can't remember. Yeah, I think they did. Uh, Yeah, so I'm rocking with the Colts for sure. I mean, I would have rocked with them anyways because they're playing the Texans, and they're favored to win by eight points, which is probably the biggest spread of week one. But, yeah, I'm just taking the Colts to win at minus 380. And we got a weird game between the Washington Commanders. I'm kind of unsure about them, as they got Carson Wentz under center right now. But the Jaguars were also the biggest if not uh one of the biggest gong shows in the league last year so hard to pick the jaguars but i'm gonna leave that game off the parlay as you don't know what to expect from either team then we got the dolphins at the patriots a big afc east matchup there um and those games are always contentious there's a lot of Bad blood between the Dolphins and Patriots, I think, is they have to see each other twice a year. So it's always a good uh, matchup, and the games are always closer than people expect. Uh, The Dolphins, interestingly enough, are currently a favorite by a field goal. Um, Apparently the Patriots had a mediocre kind of draft from what I heard as well. Obviously, Dolphins picked up Tyreek Hill and some other impressive players in free agency. You know, everyone wants to play in Miami. So, yeah, I'm going to edge the Dolphins in this one as I'm excited to see what that uh, team looks like, especially getting um, the offensive coordinator from the San Francisco 49ers as their new head coach. They're going to be like a, a brand new team next year. So, edging the Dolphins... And we got the New Orleans Saints taking on the Falcons. I believe the Falcons now have Marcus Mariota under center at quarterback now. Uh, he used to back up the Las Vegas Raiders, of course, for the last couple of seasons. And before that, he had a starting stint on the Titans. Um, had a lot of hype coming out of college Did Marcus Mariota. I remember him and Jameis Winston... He's talked about which one of them would go first overall in the draft that year. So, interesting matchup between um, him and the Saints. Uh, It's very smart matchmaking. Again, from the NFL, we're going to see Jameis Winston, obviously, on uh, one side of the field with the Saints, I believe, if he's their starter, I think he is, and Marcus Mariota on the side of the Falcons. So, uh, again, very interesting matchup. Saints currently a four-point favorite, and if I had to pick, I'd probably edge them as well, even though Baltimore, we stole their good safety and Marcus Williams, and um, they still have, you know, Alvin Kamara, they still have some receiving threats, and they had one of the better defenses last year, I believe, as well, and yeah, the Falcons, they were kind of one of those teams that could put weird wins up sometimes but in general weren't that great we're pretty mediocre team uh so i'd edge the saints a little bit but i'm also gonna leave it off the parlay because uh as of right now i don't know i don't know uh, then we got the eagles versus the lions okay big match up here great match up here uh so who's the quarterback in detroit now i don't even know Because it's not Buddy, it's not Goff, it's not, uh, I have to look up what the lines are all about right now because I'm not even sure. But I know the Eagles have uh, Jalen Hurts and Rager, and now they got A.J. Brown, a big wide receiver that's signed from the Titans or traded for. Uh, Obviously, Eagles' defense is always a bit of a problem. They're on the road playing in Detroit. But, you know, Detroit was also shambolic last year as well. There's kind of been a bit of hype around them in the off season. People saying that uh, they might be playing, like, the underdog role and they have a bit of a chip on their shoulder next season. But when should the Lions not have a chip on their shoulder? Like, every season they should start, they should have a chip on their shoulder because everyone always has, like, minimal expectations of them which I'm continuing because I'm picking the Eagles to beat them. The Lions will always be the Lions until proven differently. Then we have a big AFC North matchup, the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh really interested to see what the Steelers will look like after, of course, um, starting quarterback for the last couple of decades. Ben Roethlisberger will no longer be there. The Bengals obviously coming off a upsetting Super Bowl loss to the Los Angeles Rams after kind of making a bit of a fairytale run to the finals as an underdog in most of the games that they played in. Joe Burrow has got a nice young team. Some good wide receivers. Obviously Jamar Chase. Uh, uh, yeah, some of the other names are slipping my mind right now, but he's got a good wide receiver core. They've got Stout defense, uh, obviously they were coached very well last year. Tough to say is uh, a Ravens fan, AFC North rival, but um, I don't know what the Steelers would look like or if they're going with like Mitch Trubisky at quarterback, I guess, so it's tough, but I'm edging the Bengals for sure. Then we got the San Francisco 49ers, Chicago Bears, definitely edging the Niners there. I mean, I picked Debo Samuel to beat the Chicago Bears by himself, to be honest. Then we got uh, the bad man, Aaron Rodgers, going on the road to Minnesota, taking on the Vikings. Obviously, the Packers had a bit of an upsetting exit to the playoffs early uh, last year in the NFL, going up against their rivals in the division, Minnesota. But I feel like uh, Rodgers is going to have their number. They've made some better signings, even though they lost Devontae Adams. Obviously, that's going to be that impact will be felt on the Packers for sure. And it's going to be interesting to see how they perform without him, as he's been such a big piece of their offense for so many years. And if Rodgers can get a similar chemistry going with some of these new people in the locker room is yet to be seen. But uh, as of right now, I'm edging the Packers in that one. They are the slight favorites as well. Kansas City Chiefs, Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs on the road in Arizona. You know, defense had some issues last year. took them a long time to get going, but once they did, they went on a bit of a tear. Arizona, another one of those teams that had kind of a a shock loss early in the playoffs last year. Uh, A lot of people saying Kyler kind of... um, choked a little bit Uh, that Arizona team is also going to be without DeAndre Hopkins for the first six games next year he tested positive for a performance enhancing drug they did pick up Hollywood Brown from my Ravens so they're not going to be completely shorthanded at wide receiver but as of right now I am picking the Chiefs There's kind of been a lot of off-the-field stuff with the Cardinals over the last few months too with contracts and stuff, and that can become a bit of a distraction if you think your star players might not want to be there. So, yeah, I'm edging the Chiefs. Las Vegas Raiders versus Los Angeles Chargers. Wow, great game, blockbuster game. Definitely one I'll try to watch most of week one. Uh, the Chargers, who had one of the most uh, electric offenses in the league last year, obviously Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, uh, they stretched the field out pretty good. Austin Eckler at running back and this uh, young gun quarterback in Justin Herbert, who looked great in his uh, second season under center last year going into his third year. I think this could be his best season yet. Is it? It takes these young quarterbacks to get used to the the speed of the NFL and to feel things out. And this guy can put a ball into a bucket, let me tell you. Some of the throws I've seen him make to Keenan Allen are nuts, the ball placement that he has. Um, He puts it on a rope. He's a big quarterback. He's hard to uh, take, take uh, take down in the pocket. All that being said... <laughs> the Las Vegas Raiders getting Chandler Jones, getting Devonte Adams, you know, re-signing, uh, Max Crosby, <clears throat> these other guys on their team. I'm rolling with the Raiders. Raiders go on the road. They get it done in the Chargers Stadium. We're going with a lot of road dogs. We're going with a lot of road dogs. Let me tell you, but. I'm all in on that Las Vegas Raiders hype right now, baby. So we're rocking with the Raiders over the Chargers. We got the New York Giants over the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Giants going into Tennessee to take on the Titans. And we're rocking with the Titans and Derrick Henry to run 200 yards on the Giants. As he's going to want to come back and I think start game one off with an impact. And uh, it's going to be a competitive game. Interesting uh, running back um, matchup there with Saquon Barkley, obviously on the side of the Giants, who's had that great rookie season but hasn't really uh, been able to pop off behind that Giants offensive line since then. And Derrick Henry, obviously, being a, a perennial rushing threat. Definitely the hardest running back to tackle in the league and uh, a scary matchup. One you got to put a, a star beside his name on the on the depth chart for sure when you're doing your scouting. Obviously, the Titans making some other improvements this year as well. So yeah, hard to pick against the Titans. They're favored to win by a touchdown. So picking the Titans. Then we have the um the the M. <laughs> The the night game is Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Dallas Cowboys. I mentioned before Buccaneers getting Tommy touchdowns back in. That game is in Dallas. Dallas is a slight underdog. Bucks on the road. Definitely a, a tough matchup um, to pick. But you know, Bucks with Lenny Fournette. They've got some good weapons on defensive as well. They're one of the better run stopping teams the last few years and the cowboys you know a big part of their offense is obviously feeding zeke so yeah hard to pick against the bucks as they've been pretty good the last couple seasons you know still got mike evans still got chris godwin still got lenny Fournette, still got tommy touchdowns you know yeah they're dangerous so yeah i'm, I'm taking the bucks And the Monday night game, we won't get into any of the other games that are on the the docket because they actually have the odds for like the the first two weeks of the NFL season, but that would be crazy to break down at this point in the show. We're getting very long. So the last game we'll talk about is the Monday night game from week one. The Denver Broncos' new quarterback, Russell Wilson, under center uh, against his former team, the Seattle Seahawks. Damn! Damn, NFL! You're doing Russ dirty week one like that. Making him go against his former team. Oh, I like this. I like this storyline NFL. You crazy NFL. Russell Wilson goes into Seattle. Fucking revenge game. Revenge game all day. Hopefully Seattle fans give him a standing O. But uh, yeah, I think Broncos go in there and they get it done against them Seahawks, man. Seahawks. I've kind of been expecting them to sign another quarterback but or trade for somebody, but I haven't seen much. I think Seahawks might be uh, in for a bit of a rough go next season depending on who they have under center because they have some weapons and they have some stuff, but they've kind of failed to make improvements to some key areas of their team, which has really hindered their progress. And we seem like we've been far removed from the glory days of the seattle seahawks defense the legion of boom days and even the the peak days of their offense uh, are pretty far back in the rearview mirror as of right now as well anyways so we picked 14 games out of those that i listed Uh, including the Rams over the Bills, the Ravens to beat the Jets by four and a half. (laughs) The only one that we picked the point spread for, but hey, whatever. The, the Browns over the Panthers, the Colts over the Texans, the Dolphins over the Patriots, the Eagles over the Lions, the Bengals over the Steelers, the 49ers over the Bears, the Packers over the Vikings, the Kansas City Chiefs over the Arizona Cardinals, the Raiders to beat the Chargers, the Titans to beat the Giants, the Buccaneers to beat the Cowboys and the Broncos to beat the Seahawks. 14 game parlay gives you plus 90,539 odds, meaning you put $10 on that, you get 9 grand, a little over 9 grand. You put a hundo on that, which I will probably do at some point. You get ninety thousand dollars six hundred and thirty-nine, my boy, my boy. Do you want ninety thousand? Do you want nearly a hundred k? Do you? Then take those fourteen games I listed, and uh, or you know pick the five or six of those that you think are the most likely, and you know do your best. Do you best forget the rest. This has been one of my longest podcasts to date somehow, even though we've literally just been talking gambling. Um, which is crazy, but hey, that's actually <laughs> on my mind. We broke down the boxing, broke down the UFC, broke down the NFL. This is what we do on the Outcast Man, football and fighting. The Ottawa Valley's number one. I'm gonna go ahead and say I'm not Ottawa, I'm just Ontario's number one. Uh, football and fighting podcast. I'm I'm moving up in the world. I'm flexing on these fools. I've been picking good. I've been picking good, man. Uh, appreciate y'all for listening. Be a friend. Tell a friend about the podcast. It's your double underscore pal underscore al on Instagram. Your pal al. It's Alex Adams on YouTube. If you want to follow along my progress, I'm training for a marathon and uh, vlogging about it and doing some other videos. Uh, mostly tracking my progress towards this first marathon I'm doing at the end of May. And, yeah, just be kind to everyone out there, folks. Um, Appreciate it. Peace.